This is Killstreak, a very special episode. We are recording on June the 23rd, and I say the date, finally, after all these episodes, because <laughs> we are up to date. Yeah. You're hearing us. You're going to be hearing us in a couple of days. Uh, I am Eric Goslin, and joining me, as always, Mike Price. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It is a pleasure to be in the present. This is yeah, it really is. These are um, exciting new times for us here at Killstreak headquarters. <laughs> yeah, just so you guys know, I'm sure you're aware. Uh, we probably mentioned it before, but we like backlogged a lot of episodes. Basically, we're into Blair Witch before return of the living dead even came out yeah uh and so we have just been like waiting to you know we were excited to do it and then uh maybe went a little overboard (laughs) with how many episodes we needed to backlog you know we wanted to tinker with everything and get it right and and i think uh obviously from the high quality product we've been putting out you guys can tell it paid off yeah speaking of high quality products hopefully you'll be noticing a nice uh, change in the audio quality. Yeah, um, so we've made a couple adjustments. Eric has a brand spanking new microphone. Yeah. And hopefully I have cleared up. Uh, we, we definitely ran into some audio issues when I was forced to do outdoor records in the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those days are behind us. And um, so hopefully you guys will notice nice, clean, clear sound from here on out. And if not, if you do notice anything amiss, please do not hesitate to let us know. Um, you know, we always want to be giving you guys the best product possible. So one of the things that we wanted to do on this episode was uh, we're going to get to your questions. We have some voicemails and an email. Um, but first, we just kind of wanted to shoot the shit and talk about what we've been consuming media-wise, be it horror or not horror, um, and you know, actually, I just watched a uh, a horror movie last a couple nights ago on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, brand new, the Bloomhouse movie, Bloomhouse or Blumhouse? I don't think we ever decided. We I said I was going to go look it up. I, <laughs> um, I I don't know. Blum, I think it's Blum. I think it's Blumhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. I, Blum, please uh, leave us a voicemail and let us know. <laughs> and please give us some sort of development deal or something. <laughs> yeah, Eric and I have ideas, damn it. I have ideas. I'm an ideasman. Uh, I watched You Should Have Left, the new Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried movie. I have not even heard of this. Tell me more. It's um, it's about a couple, kind of their marriage is, is strained. Uh, he is much older than her, which initially... All right, so Kevin Bacon, who's like 60 or something, mm-hmm. uh, is married to Amanda Seyfried, who's like 30 years younger than him. Yeah. It's, when I first saw the trailers for this, it's like, oh, come the fuck on. I'm so sick of, <laughs> of that. It's like, you know, Tom Hanks married to, you know, so uh, uh, Amanda Bynes. Those are the weirdest names I just fucking picked. <laughs> what? 
Those, that's not a real movie, but no. I couldn't. I was trying to think of Selena Gomez. That's yeah. What I was well, it's like Dennis Quaid in anything or in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's definitely something I am sick of, just seeing like wildly huge age differences. And I bet it's because a lot of the people who are making these movies, that is the case with them, because they're rich. Right. Um, yeah, they're just yeah. gross, horny old men who are like, yeah. well, you know, this character's obviously a stand-in for me. And uh, <laughs> so if I had, a, my wife would obviously be a 26-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but it does actually factor into the plot. Uh, it is about, uh, so a couple a couple uh, with a little bit of a strained marriage. He's a, uh, a former investment banker who, okay. um, in the past, his wife died by drowning in the bathtub. And there's a big media frenzy about if he did it or if he didn't do it. Uh, he's now married to Amanda Seyfried, who is a an actress. And they go away to the Welsh countryside to like an airbnb like this really creepy fancy house okay um and you know badness ensues it's a haunted house movie essentially Mm -hmm. uh a little bit of have you ever read the book house of leaves no i haven't but i am aware of its existence yeah it's kind of there's some similar stuff going on in there um it's directed by david keop I think his name Keop. He did Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon. Oh, I love Stir of Echoes. I think that movie is really underrated. Yeah, I want to revisit it because I remember seeing it when it came out, but I don't remember much about it. Um, it's very, very beautifully shot. Um, I guess I'm sort of burying the lead. I liked it. It didn't blow me away. It didn't mm. blow my socks off. But uh, it's very nice to look at. kind of goes down a predictable path for me gotcha. personally. Uh, but yeah, worth checking out. Maybe mm. wait till it's not twenty dollar rental on iTunes because sure. it was supposed to be in theaters. <laughs> you paid twenty dollars for it. Well, that's. Uh, I mean, that's very respectable of you. Yeah. Well, we always justify it. There's two of us watching it. Mm-hmm. If we were to have gone to the movies, we would have paid more mm-hmm. to see it. Sure. And I, I, I would have seen it in theaters. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so get this. So I was googling the director. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say his name is probably pronounced Kep. Um, okay, but I know this because it's a last name that you see a lot where he is from, which is where I am from, uh, which is south uh, eastern Wisconsin. He's actually from Pewaukee, oh. Wisconsin, which is in the same county that I uh, I grew up and went to high school in. Oh no um, way! Yeah, yeah. So this is a this is a local guy, and local boy. Yeah, it looks like he's got a ton of writing credits on big stuff including yeah. 2017's The Mummy starring Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, speaking of we we'll talk about it later mm-hmm. but uh franchises that never really were <laughs> is that new dark universe or whatever yeah. you're going to call it. Well, it's funny. Yeah. yeah, I think um that's such I mean, it's such an odd thing because I mean, I think I would love to stop and talk about that failed dark universe for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, it, you know, as like a high concept idea, I think it's a good idea. It's just like they fucked it up so badly. And I mm-hmm. think one of the first things that they really ruined about it was like all of those movies, The Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, like they're old, but they're supposed to be. Those were horror movies. 
It's part right. of it's part of this genre that we cover on the podcast and that we really love. And they just completely missed that, and they were like, "No, we're going to make them action movies." It's, yeah, they're action adventure movies. Yeah, and it's like, no, that's not what these properties are. Yeah, um, I've never been a big fan of any of like the Universal monster movies. Mm-hmm. I just kind of. Yeah. Th- that being said, I've never gave them a fair shake. Maybe okay. I should now that yeah. I'm an older man with like more refined tastes. But they always just kind of bored me when I was younger. Yeah, I mean, I do think that um, it's it's always tricky because movie making has changed so much, and you know, at this point, yeah. it's almost the intervening 100 years since those movies started coming out. So you always have to look at it through like a little bit of a critical lens because uh, they're just for never sure. going to be as exciting or like as enjoyable, I think, for a modern day audience. I mean, um, really, horror and comedy are the two genres that age the worst, I would say. Like, it, so, there's some exceptions, of course, but mm-hmm. comedy. Spe- oh, man. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know what I would listen to the other night? What? Like, I, got, I got a little toasty and <laughs> threw on Adam Sandler's first album oh the they're all gonna laugh at you yeah that okay so that was a huge huge thing when i was when i was a kid formative for me formative yeah like we would we would pirate the tapes and pass them around Mm -hmm. it was we would just like be quoting it oh boy does not hold up (laughs) (laughs) i mean i remember it was so in the wheelhouse of like a 10 to 15 year old boy just yes. like it's so sort of sexual, but in a very juvenile kind of way, right? Yes, yes, um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I still this is from his second album, but I still fondly remember the you know the goat, the goat, yeah, a <laughs> hey, goat, the old fuck me in the goat ass. That's a yeah. funny line. The one I used to love the uh, the stoner. What's his name? Uh, no, no, a buffoon or something like the that. The buffoon, they're, yeah. They're like, I got a snake, man. Yeah. Which is like a really problematic accent. Now that, Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's definitely he's doing like a brown face all out, you know, by way of an accent. Yeah. Um, uh, then I listened to some jerky boys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was really like hitting a, all like my What a journey school. you went on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How did the jerky boys hold up? Uh, also not great. There's just like, you know, mm-hmm. so like I said, comedy, yeah. especially like edgy comedy, doesn't, doesn't yeah. always translate the best. I think you're right. I think edgy comedy definitely has a shorter shelf life. Um, you know, we were going to talk about stuff we've been watching. This isn't a horror movie, but I, for the first time in a couple of years, watched Airplane last week because my oh. my girlfriend Kenda had never seen it. Uh, and that one, I mean, is a, for me is a great example of something that you know, forty years on, continues to be pretty funny. Like they're oh for sure. I mean, they're helped by just the sheer amount of jokes that like some of them do not hit, uh, but there's enough good ones in there that uh, it's definitely like if that movie came out today, I mean, you would just have to subtract a handful of pretty tone deaf jokes from it. Um, mm-hmm. But like you know, seventy five percent of the stuff in there would I think would still make an audience laugh in twenty twenty. Yeah, same with Naked Gun. I, wa- I rewatched yeah. that pretty recently. That movie's so fucking funny. Yeah, whatever happened to OJ Simpson? <laughs> oh, you haven't heard? <laughs> he was great. Uh, oh, he was very funny in it. But Mike, I got some bad news for you. You know what? Yeah. I'll just uh, 
I'll forward over this oh, yeah. 10 hour documentary. About him. E- email it to me. I'll watch it after the podcast. Right now, cool. I'm going to sit with my fond memories of the juice. Uh, <laughs> Old Nordberg. Uh, yeah. So, some other. I wanted to. So, I watched a movie fairly recently that I asked you if you were a fan. So, I, I won't say that you outright recommended it to me, but I found out after the fact that it was something that you liked. Uh, and that was. Street Trash from uh-huh. 1987, um, uh-huh. directed by J. Michael Muro. Yeah. Um, do you want? Do you want to tell the audience what the deal with Street Trash is? Because I feel like you you're you're a little more familiar with this film than I mean. Obviously, you just watched it, but it's... <laughs> um, it's it's a movie I've seen a couple times now. It's a it's kind of like a loose collection of scenes about like a homeless gang almost yeah it's kind of there's definitely like a a king homeless guy who's not king but he like runs the gang he's very feared tyrant yeah and also kind of not related to it at all there's a batch of malt liquor that or or maybe it's like bad wine it's bum yeah like bum wine uh right like thunderbird or something mm -hmm, yeah that um melts people (laughs) Yeah, what is it called? Lo- um, I can't remember. Something Viper. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds right. Tenafly Viper. That's what it's called. <laughs> so it, it's very, it's like, uh, it should be a trauma movie. It is the most trauma movie that isn't a trauma movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, like, it, I am blown away that this is not a film that Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hurts at some point bought and started to distribute. It is... I mean, it is more trauma than ninety percent of traumas movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the even if you don't see the movie, you should definitely YouTube the melting scene. There's like a melting scene <laughs> on a toilet. Yeah, it's the first one. Is, yeah, yeah, the first one. It's it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's a great high concept sort of the elevator pitch. I mean, here's the thing: you warned me about this. It is not a sensitive portrayal of unhoused yeah. folks. <laughs> no. Um, not at all. Yeah, I mean, I, it's one of those things where we like we say, "Oh, it hasn't aged well," but let's be honest, it was never it was never appropriate. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely just using like homeless people as punchlines. Yeah, um, but it's like a great. I mean, the pitch is amazing. It's like, yeah, poison bum wine melts hobos. It's like, <laughs> it's like cool. I know what I'm in for. I get it. Uh, yeah, and it is definitely that. And um, it's disgusting. Um, And oh, isn't there one part where a guy gets his his dick blown off and they like play catch? Yeah, they play keep away with his dick. Um, (laughs) He's like, I gotta put it on ice. Give it back to me. And they're all like, Fuck you, dude. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's really. I mean, it's again like, don't watch it if you're not familiar with sort of the trauma oeuvre. if you like stuff that is exploitative and kind of gross out deliberately, I think it'll really float your boat. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, it's worth noting that this guy, the director, not really a director. He's actually like a, a working cinematographer. Um, and that's been his career path since this. And I'm not a, even a little bit surprised because it's shot really well. For, especially mm-hmm. for a movie like this one, uh, the whole thing starts with like a five-minute Steadicam shot that's very cool, really well choreographed. It kind of introduces you to the whole world of the movie and a lot of the characters you're going to see. And, you know, 
I it's also I'll say this it's definitely a movie that you could watch 30 minutes of and then turn off <laughs> yeah I, there's not really much of a structure to it mm-hmm. it's not like so there's in there's not a huge story like overarching story that connects everything but it is an experience like if you're into movies that are experiences <laughs> I, would, I would recommend street trash and I, I, I like it there's uh there's one scene in particular i warned you about that i just think is unnecessary there's like an yeah. unnecessary not that there's ever a necessary rape scene in a movie but it's like especially just like yeah disgusting it's, yeah it uh i mean the only thing i can say not in its defense but just if you're debating whether or not to watch it is at least the uh ov- and there's no overt rape that happens on scene. It is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it is implied immediately off screen, uh, which does not make it does not excuse it in any way. But if it's if if you're wondering whether or not you should even try to soldier through the movie, it's something something yeah. to consider. I always try to give that warning when there's like sexual abuse or something in yeah. the movie, just to I mean, so people are aware. Yeah, well, there's a lot of. Uh, well, I guess we'll just go ahead. It's episode nine. I'm, I'm ready to alienate all Trump supporters who listen to our podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> what, what happens in episode nine? I, I'm trying to think. Oh, oh, oh the the uh, the flag. No, I'm just saying it's that's what episode of our podcast it is. Oh, I'm and, sorry, I got it confused with the other episode nine. You think of Star Wars or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say we've made it this far. So if you hung on as a MAGA chud and uh, <laughs> and you're still here, I'm blown away. And also, please fuck off uh, and yeah. stop listening to the podcast. But uh, anyways, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, people on the Internet like to joke about and sort of mock the idea of a trigger warning. But that is a very real thing that exists for a reason. And this movie absolutely uh, deserves a trigger warning for rape and sexual assault. So. Yeah. Uh, on that um, bright note. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've been reading. Uh, I decided during this quarantine uh, that I wanted to catch up on Stephen King books that yeah. I haven't read. And this ties back into something I've been watching. Um, it's because I did this checklist online. I'll have to find it. But basically, I just you just check off all the books you've read. Mm-hmm. And I've read most of them. And so like, well, I should just catch up on or read the ones I've never read, like Tommy knockers, which is like famously his, like one of his worst books that he wrote in like a cocaine haze. Sure. (laughs) Um, uh, so I read night shift. Yeah. Which if I had read it in the past, it was so long ago that it doesn't even count. It's probably like sixth grade or something. Uh, and because of that, there are two, there are a bunch of movies that have been made from the short stories, including like the mangler. Right. Lawnmower Man, which the only thing I've always been curious about Lawnmower Man uh, has I've, nothing to do with it with his short story. No. They just slapped his name on it. Yeah, I've never actually sat through it, but I have read Night Shift and I'm familiar with that story. And I know that the movie couldn't possibly be an adaptation of that story. Oh, uh, it's the Lawnmower Man is based on the short story Lawnmower Man. How? Has. Oh, so you've read you've? Oh, I'm sorry, I got confused because there's also a story called Night Shift, uh, in no. Night Shift. No, I'm talking yes, about no. the Lawnmower Man short story from Night Shift. So basically, from my understanding, mm-hmm. they wrote this script that was not called Lawnmower Man. Okay. And Stephen King was just his name slapping his name on something. Yeah. 
Need, made it. D- Daddy needs some Coke money. Yeah. <laughs> and so they just called it, they just bought the rights to the short story Lawnmower Man, mm-hmm. which has nothing, nothing to do with it. Sure. And Stephen King, I think, he even sued to get his name taken off of it. Okay. Something along those lines. Anyway, that also, two stories that are in there are Trucks, which is, was made into Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, and they also did, I think, a USA movie about it, like, that's also based on trucks. Oh, really? Uh, in the 90s, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I think it's actually, oh, I think it's called Trucks. So many made-for-TV Stephen King miniseries yeah. and movies. Um, and Children of the Corn, and I watched both of those movies. Have you ever seen Maximum Overdrive? Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> fucking, it's a bad movie. It's terrible. It kind of fucking rules, though. <laughs> I've, I'll tell you this. It, that movie is awful, and I've probably seen it four times. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I had never really sat down to watch it all the way through, but mm-hmm. I've seen bits and pieces of it on, like, you know, Cinemax or yeah. USA or something, mm-hmm. whatever it played. Uh, dumb as shit. And he, uh, he was also high out of his mind on cocaine while yeah. directing it. Mm-hmm. And is that his only feature directing Credit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a buddy uh, named Don Thiel who's a very talented editor, amongst other things. He's also a diehard horror fan, and he uh, likes to recut um, movies. Uh, kind of, uh, how should I put it? He takes uh, sort of good bad movies and mm-hmm. uh, cuts out all of the slow, boring, pointless shit that bogs it down and you know, justifies a feature length. And uh, right. And so you get to watch like this 45 minute, like only the best parts of a bad movie kind of thing. That still coherently makes sense because he's a very talented editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like maximum overdrive is a movie that would really benefit from that treatment. Like, Oh yeah. A 45 minute version of maximum overdrive. I would absolutely sign up to watch. Yeah. It, the, one of the things that it does like the book is just about trucks and cars like coming to life to attack humans. Yeah. But the the movie extrapolates it out, out to all, anything that runs on electricity which are not trucks. Trucks don't right. run on electricity. <laughs> so why are the trucks being affected? Yeah. Um no the logic of the movie is a little shaky for sure. <laughs> but uh, and it's also, I'll say this, it's, it is a movie that also suffers from uh, a problem I think I, I, you encounter sometimes, which is it peaks for me in the first five minutes. Uh-huh. Like, the, the opening of that movie is definitely the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, uh, for sure. W- where all of the machines go rogue and kill people in a variety of insane ways. It's like, that should have been the whole movie. Um, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like the little league scene where the guy gets shot in the head with a soda can, and then a yes. kid gets run over by a fucking bulldozer or a steamroller. Yeah. Oh man, that movie is fucking. It's it's certainly out there. Um, yeah. No, this is a project you and I have been talking about. You embarking on periodically, and I've been looking forward to chatting about it a little bit because. Uh, I'm also a huge Stephen King fan, and I also actually I like almost started filling out the Stephen King checklist while we have been recording. And then I'm like, no, uh-huh. I have to have to focus on podcast. <laughs> uh, um, but I'm looking at all of these stories and adaptations from Night Shift, and it really is pretty impressive. Um, yeah, The Mangler. 
Now, I'll ask you this. Have you seen Cat's Eye? No, I never have. Okay, so Cat's Eye is, I think, a, a decent movie. Okay. Um, it is uh, an anthology. Um, I want to say it has three or four stories. Um, and two of them are from Night Shift. Um, oh. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, it has three stories. Uh, the third one is original to the movie. Um, uh, but the first two are Quitters, Inc. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and do you know who stars in Quitters, Inc.? No. James Woods. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's it's great. I, I My memory of it is that that segment in particular I like a lot. Um, and then The Ledge is the other one. Oh, dude. Um, yeah. That one, I have a, fear, a fear of heights. Okay. Especially, like, <laughs> balconies and, like, realistic heights. Not, like, when I'm on a plane, like, I don't love planes, but mm-hmm. I'm fine. But uh, that is one of the few short stories or anything I've read that I had a hard time reading. Like, really? I, was, I like my heart was like racing reading it. I got ting I I get this like tingling in my butt and in my legs <laughs> when I think of heights. Wow. Yeah, and that was like really triggering me. It, it, like I was reading it right before bed and I was like, wow, this is a bad thing to do right now. That's yeah. a great great short story. Yeah, so I mean, now that I'm like looking down this lineup because I'm seeing feature film adaptations on Wikipedia, we've got Children of the Corn, Cat's Eye, Maximum yeah. Overdrive, Graveyard Shift, The Lawnmower Man, and The Mangler. Of all of those from like just like a sheer quality p- perspective, I think Cat's Eye is definitely the best of those movies. Okay, I'll check that out. Um, yeah, ch- like yeah, Children of the Corn is bad and interesting. Oh, God. I, that was the other movie I watched. I fucking hated it. Really? Oh, I really was so bored the whole time. It's, it's so boring. It's pretty boring. I feel like, yeah, I I always hated it, and then I rewatched it maybe two years ago, like in a run-up to Halloween, and I actually mm-hmm. liked it a little bit more than I remembered. Oh, really? Um, but, uh, but I cannot stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> the the actor the kid actors like uh, mm-hmm. Malachi and Isaac I want to say yeah. are so shrill mm-hmm. especially Isaac is just so shrill. Ugh. Linda Hamilton though is a babe in it. Yeah, uh, we were talking about this. Which one of them is the guy from the Burbs? Which one has uh, the red Mal- hair? Malachi. Malachi. Yeah, that guy just yeah. freaks me out. Yeah, he's a weird looking kid. Yeah. Um, I like the Burbs. I just rewatched that pretty recently. Yeah, Burbs is better. I've never seen Sometimes They Come Back. Um, I never had. Oh, you know what? I think I rented it when I was in high school or mm-hmm. something. There was also a a sci-fi uh, adaptation of Children of the Corn from 2009. That what? It's got to be oh, better. Sci-fi movie. Yeah, sci-fi sci-fi channel. Got it. Yeah, sci-fi. You know, sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> they changed the name right around when hyphy was like becoming a popular subgenre of rap. Uh-huh. And so in my head it's always been Syphy. Syphy? Yeah. I like that. Um either way, it was a terrible rebranding. I still don't understand why they did it, but you know. Uh what else do? have you been watching? Um let's see. In the time that we have uh been recording, uh I also watched Jennifer's Body for the first time. I've never seen that. So that's a movie that got a fairly negative response when it came out, and there seems to be people are starting to like revise their perspectives on that. Yeah. Um, and I think that for me, um, also having never seen it, 
Um, it kind of landed somewhere in the middle where it's like, yeah, I don't think this movie is as deserving of scorn as it what it seemed like the reception that it got when it first came uh-huh. out. I also don't think it's any sort of like profound treatise on feminism. Like a lot of people are kind of, you know, that that's that's a, like a lot of what the argument for it is, uh, (laughs) which I think is, here's the thing. I don't like Diablo Cody's dialogue. Um, I, that Uh is, that is not a hot take. That's a very, uh, lukewarm take for people to have, but I mean, it's how I feel. I think it just, it hits the ear really, um, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's, it's hard to ignore. It's hard to get stilted for you. Yeah, I mean, it's just like everything seems like it's just it's just trying too hard by half, you know. Sure, yeah. To like yeah. get a reaction out of each line. Uh, uh, quick defense of mm-hmm. Diablo Cody. Um, she was very nice to me when I met her. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, she was, mm-hmm. and so wasn't uh, Jason Reitman. Uh, shout out to those J Ry. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, young adult. Actually, I thought was a very good. And not really Diablo Cody-ish. Okay. At least in my memory. Uh, I have seen Young Adult, and I agree. I thought that was a well-done uh, yeah, emphasis on adult. Uh, it seemed like a more grown-up kind of uh, script from her. Yeah, um, I agree. And, yeah, also Charlize Theron is uh, way, way too talented of an actor to also be a supermodel. Um, but... You know, uh-huh. what are you gonna do? She's the she's got it all. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm a huge Charlize Theron fan. I think she yeah, she's great, amazing. Um, but yeah, Jennifer's body. Like, here's what I'll say. Like, it has it's kind of fun. Uh, it moves quickly. It it like it to be to be clear to give it credit. Like, it definitely has like bigger ideas on its mind, and it is the whole movie functions as sort of a metaphor, and it's really more about relationships between uh women and specifically like teenage girls mm-hmm. uh and it was definitely marketed as just like look at sexy megan fox and that's not what the movie is about uh-huh. um so yeah overall i mean i rang i rated it three out of five stars um eric and i both use letterboxd mm-hmm. um you can look me up i'm prike my son letterboxd if you want to follow along um, uh I, I don't know what i am on them actually uh, I think you're just Eric Gosselin. That makes sense to me. Let me see. You can see my, I gave, I think, a star and a half to Turner and Hooch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think it's a little bit better than that. Not a great movie. Um, but yeah, yeah. Eric, you can follow it. Eric Gosselin, no spaces, all lowercase. Um, but yeah, oh, so. Two and, a, two and a half stars, sorry. I liked it a half a star better than Maximum Overdrive. Oh, yeah, two and a half stars oh. sounds mostly right. Maybe two stars for Turner and Hooch. I'm not sure. <laughs> what? I just remembered, looking at my letterbox, uh-huh. another movie I've seen. But continue, oh. I'm sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Lay it on me. That's that's about everything oh. I had to say about Jennifer's body. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called Vast of Night. Okay. It's uh, an Amazon like Studios movie. I think they just acquired it. Mm-hmm. It was made for like a very low amount of money. Okay. Um, and it's a throwback kind of uh, Twilight Zoney. Uh, it t- takes place in the in the fifties, mm-hmm. the forties or fifties. Like uh, I'm, I'm blanking on which. And it's just like a very talky, 
low-key sci-fi movie mm-hmm. that's very good. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's just... It, I don't. I, I can't say too much. I don't want to say too much. But it, it's about a uh, radio DJ and a um, a high school girl who works as overnight as an operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, hear a strange noise, uh, and kind of between the two of them, figure out what's going on. Gotcha. Uh, it's a. It, it's really cool. I, I highly highly recommended it to. I don't know why I said recommended <laughs> it. I highly re- recommend it <laughs> to um, everyone. <laughs> It's just like a really low key. Uh, I say maybe one of one of the things that one knock against it is mm-hmm. they talk very fast the entire time. Okay, so it's a, it's a little bit of barrage of words, but it's, it's uh, enjoyable and impressively shot too. A lot of long takes. It almost feels like you're watching a a play or something. Right. Give us the title one more time. What was that? Vast of night. Vast of night, and that's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. All right, awesome. I'm gonna put that on my list for sure. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about because I've just been itching to say my thoughts on this into a microphone. <laughs> this has nothing to do with horror, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think you're aware a, a few weeks back I I followed up on a threat and I rewatched the entire Star Wars Skywalker saga um, and I did it in not in release order, but in chronological order. So from Star Wars 1, Episode 1 to Episode 9. Wow. Um, It took... I did it pretty fast. I think I did it all in two weeks. Um, So I basically just took a kind of a night off in between each movie. Um, And the reason that I decided I had to do this was because uh, last year, when I saw uh, Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, um, I said to a number of people and then i put this down in my review of the film actually um that here let me just pull it up so i can i can just share verbatim what my thoughts were here (laughs) um apologies uh for being so indulgent but where's my review what did i say um okay here it is um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the part that um, applies to this conversation. Um, this was the worst movie that I saw in 2019, and it is not close. This is a film so craven in its focus group execution, so utterly artless and devoid of risk or vision, that it will now force me to rewatch all of the train wreck prequels so I can decide where to rank this useless piece of shit amongst the nine episodes. <laughs> So, that's how I felt about Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And I then proceeded to watch episodes one, two, and three for the first time in at least a decade. Um, yeah. When's the last time you watched the prequels? Uh, since they came out, I would say. Um, well, you know, my son, I walked upstairs and my son was watching episode one. And I was like, what Did the you fuck are you slap doing? him? <laughs> I was like, "What? What? Why is he watching this?" And, and my wife was like, "I don't even want to watch Star Wars." Like, then put on Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's the correct way to parent. Um, uh, I'll say though, he did like it more than Star Wars, like uh, A New Hope. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, and tell the audience, how old is your son? He's five. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Phantom Menace is a movie for geared, five-year-olds. for five year olds. 
Um, except its plot and dialogue are geared towards, I don't know, uh, right. history majors. Um, <laughs> but, um, okay. So here was, I'm going to, I'll make it fairly short. But I did watch all these movies. And here's I'm going to say one more thing. If you're listening to our podcast, you're someone maybe who listens to podcasts. Um, I'm going to go ahead and shout out another podcast that I'm a huge fan of. uh, The Doughboys podcast. uh, Where two comedians, Mike Mitchell and Nick Weiger, uh, do reviews of chain and fast food restaurants. Um, If you're a podcast fan, there's a good chance you've heard of it. It's very popular. If you haven't and that sounds appealing, you should definitely check it out. Um, The reason I bring it up is because part of the recurring lore of the Doughboys universe is that Mike Mitchell, who goes by the name Mitch, who is an acquaintance, a friendly acquaintance of mine, um... We shared a a trainer in Los Angeles. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Um, He is some sort of insane Star Wars prequel apologist um, to the degree that he believes that all of the prequels are superior to all of the new movies. Like, not the original trilogy, but he believes, like, better than... Oh, okay. Yeah, so he ranks all of the prequel films above Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. Um, and I, this is a horror movie podcast. We have we have issues we have to get along and cover, so I'm not going to belabor this forever. But they've created this weird alternate universe where the two of them have convinced themselves that the prequels aren't terrible. And so they just sort of like... And a lot of that is also because of the outsized influence of two other recurring guests on the podcast. I'm not going to get into the mythology of another podcast (laughs) any more than I already have. But if you're one of the people who listens to both podcasts, you know what I'm talking about. Anyways, so I was like, I've been listening to this. This has been like slowly forced on me for a couple years that it's like, maybe the prequels deserve a second look. I don't know. So I watched the prequels again. And... um, Okay. Phantom Menace is actually the best one of those three. Yeah. Which is I think I Yeah, go ahead. That's that's the way I remember it too. And that's a sad I mean that's a sad statement of affairs. And I, I will say that if you went back and I think someone has done this, someone has recut this movie. Um, if you took Jar Jar Banks out of the whole movie and you took out the insane racist caricatures of the Trade Republic guys, the Trade Federation, I forget, they're horrible, horrible Asian stereotypes, um, then you actually have like a halfway decent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one, Revenge of the Sith. Here, here's this is the thing. Hayden Christensen is a terrible, terrible, terrible actor, and yeah. George Lucas is a terrible, terrible director of actors. Um, yeah, he's an amazing idea guy. Um, but so yeah, obviously, like I've I've belabored the point enough. Here's the deal: as as fucking craven and awful of a commercial cash in as it was, unfortunately. I cannot say in good conscience that Rise of Skywalker is the worst Star Wars movie. Um, oh. My my canonical ranking 
from of the Star Wars Skywalker saga goes as follows. Number one, the greatest Star Wars movie ever made, not at all a controversial take, is The Empire Strikes Back, Episode Mm 5, followed by Episode 4, A New Hope, followed by Return of the Jedi, which I think you could make, I could make a case for myself that Return of the Jedi is half good and half bad and like gets close to the level of here is a more controversial take for me. My number four slot goes to star Wars episode eight, the last Jedi, which which I think is also half good and half bad. Yeah. Um, um, Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I want to hear your thoughts after this. I'm I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll wrap this up and this is, I'm I'm sure this is so boring for anyone who hates star Wars and I'm sorry, Um, but I'm almost done. Then you've got episode seven, the force awakens. Then you have episode one, The Phantom Menace. Then you have episode three, Revenge of the Sith. In eighth and second to last place, episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. And firmly cemented in last place, and never will a worse Star Wars movie ever be made, is episode two, <laughs> Attack of the Clones, which has zero reason to exist and is a profoundly terrible movie. Uh, I'm, I never saw the last, the the last one, the last okay. Skywalker. Is that what it's called? The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. I didn't see it, uh, partly because I just didn't have time when it came out, and I heard enough negative stuff. I I'm a Star Wars fan. I like Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Star Wars fanatic. Um, sure yeah so they were just movies that weren't around when i was a kid my parents didn't like them Mm -hmm. so i was much more into like indiana jones in back to the future ghostbusters Uh those are like my big i mean it's funny because those are like my favorite movies plus star wars it's like right for me it's just all of the ones that you said so then i came to star wars later uh and liked them a lot but like i'm you know was never and i never got the obsessive phase of it uh, so that being said, I think I'm not going to go through the whole ranking of the movies. So I pretty much agree with you. I would say empire hope return of the Jedi. And then the force awakens. I think I, I, I actually did like the force awakens quite a bit and mm-hmm. I didn't like the last Jedi very much. Yeah. And I, I mean, I do think that that's like, at this point people seem to be split kind of 50, 50 as best as I can tell. You're either someone who likes the last Jedi or doesn't like the last Jedi. Yeah. Um, and I do think The Force Awakens... The thing about The Force Awakens is it's good-ish. It's pretty well done. It is so unambitious is my issue with it. It is just yeah. like... Yes, it is. Yes. And I get it being sort of a course correction from what happened with the prequels. But it's just like... That movie flirts with being a remake. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, like even the new characters that are introduced, they all follow. And, and this is honestly, this is part of what's wrong with Rise of Skywalker, because uh, it it kind of spits in the face of any attempts the Last Jedi made to deviate from this like slavishness to the same plot and character arcs as the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like Last Jedi sort of tries to zig a little bit, and then Rise of Skywalker like aggressively zags back. And it's just like, yeah. it's like, no, this is just going to be a retread of the original trilogy, only way, way worse. 
And that's that's why I uh, I never saw it. One of the reasons why I never saw mm-hmm. it was just because, like, I, you know, for I I just said I didn't like uh, Last Jedi very much, and I don't. I think mm-hmm. it, I think it's middle. It's middle is like so pointless. The whole casino planet stuff drove me yeah. nuts. Yeah, um, but I didn't have a problem with the choices it made. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, mm-hmm. the the big choices. I didn't have a problem with. I just thought it was a bad story, uh, told not well. Although I like Ryan Johnson, he's yeah, a, I do too. He's a great director. Anyway, let's not talk anymore about Star Wars. <laughs> we are we are like yeah, that's fair. Forty five minutes into our mini episode, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, uh, no, I think you're right. We should. Do you want to take a quick break and then? Uh, yeah, we can, I, yeah. Go I was ahead. gonna say let's. Want to just quickly shout out some video games. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, along, it just so happens that Mike and I are playing some horror-themed video games. Yeah. Um, I'll just quickly say I'm playing Control for PlayStation Four, which is like a Twin Peaksy, um, X Files sort of, very stylish for a third-person action like mm-hmm. shooter, essentially made by the people who made like Alan Wake and uh, Max Payne, the original Max Payne. Sure. Um, it's really cool and very like t- it's not tongue in cheek exactly, but there's a lot of really dark humor that runs throughout it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say check it out if you're into if into third person shooters to begin with, um, and just like, yeah, look up a trailer or something. The other game I've been playing is a fucking masterpiece. I'm playing it for like the fifth time. Resident Evil Four. Mm. You ever play that game? No. So I've never played a Resident Evil game oh, for really? more than a few minutes. Um, yeah. But I'd like to hear a little bit more about uh, Res- RE4. Is that what you Resident Evil fans say? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a game I initially played on PlayStation 2, and it blew me away. And then I, I, pl- I beat it two or three times on there. Then it came out on Wii, which mm. I actually think the Wii version is the best version of the game because it has uh, motion aiming because the one knock against it now is that the aiming is laborious. It has tank controls. Sure. So your character can't move when you're aiming the gun. And so it can get, like, especially when it gets hectic. Yeah. Um, but, man, you know, there's obviously some stuff that video games seldom age well, when it, especially 3D games. Uh, but it's a really really fucking addictive and fun game still it's it's the first resident evil that really shifted the focus from action from horror to action okay so it is a horror game but it's more action oriented sure you know there's more ammo available you get a bunch of guns um the story is as with most resident evil games the story is like ridiculous it gets into (laughs) such crazy land that like as you like from the movies, the movies aren't that far off from the actual plot of the video games. Mm-hmm. So you kind of know how the, you know, all of a sudden there's like the military is involved and super soldiers and shit. But right. it's it's a really really great game. Um, I like I don't want to take up too much time talking no. about video games, but I, I thought it'd be fun to call out some of the things. We're no, absolutely. About. No, I mean I ate up way too much time talking about Star Wars. I promise I won't do that on every listener episode. <laughs> <laughs> um the the game uh to kind of segue directly from resident evil uh the game that i just started so i'm only a few hours into but seems very promising um is uh the evil within 
which mm. is the uh, same uh, creator, uh, Shinji Mikami, who created the Resident Evil series. Uh, and it's another third-person survival horror game. Uh, it came out in 2014. Um, and it's got a little bit more of like a detective kind of story angle to the survival mm-hmm. horror thing. But um, it's uh, so far, I mean, it's super fucking spooky. Also, like, I just forgot how like I don't get scared watching horror movies much. I get scared yeah. very easily playing horror video games. Yeah, it's it's stressful. It's yeah. Did mm-hmm. you play? Oh, you should check out after this. And I know there's a um, Evil Within two that yeah. I was good. Resident Evil Seven. Okay. Is like one of the scarier games I've ever played. It's okay. Really cool. Yeah, I mean the thought, funny thing is like even games that aren't sort of overtly horror can really scare me if there's just like terrifying enemies come out of nowhere and i just like i get yeah. a very visceral shock out of it um so yeah that one's been fun so far and i definitely like it's gonna take me a while to get through it so maybe in a month or so if we do another one of these listener episodes i can check in on my progress and talk a little bit more about it but right now i'm just excited to be embarking on this journey all right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we're going to answer your questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll jump into some voicemails and email. Um, we'll be back right after this. Cool. Hey, guys, Eric here. There's a new Vampire Diaries podcast in Mystic Falls. That's right, the Vampiti Diaries. What is the Vampiti Diaries? It's a hilarious, after show podcast where a fella named Pete who has never seen the hit CW show The Vampire Diaries discusses each episode with a super fan. New episodes of the pod come out every bloodthirsty Thursday on Apple Podcasts. And uh yeah, the hosts, Peter Harmon and Ashley, they're great people. He's a very funny author. He's written some great books. Uh, and he's been a guest on some of my podcasts, and his wife is an absolute delight. And check them out, guys. It's going to be fun. If you like the uh, Vampire Diaries, if you want to get into the Vampire Diaries, or if you just want to hear two people talk about the Vampire Diaries and don't want to watch a show, which would be weird. All right, guys, back to our podcast. All right, and we are back and ready to dig into some listener feedback. Um, so in case you guys didn't know, which would be crazy, uh, we have an email you can get us at any time, which is killstreakpod at gmail.com. We also take uh, voicemails through our podcast's website, which is anchor.fm slash killstreakpod. Um, and yeah, so we've gotten some listener feedback over the last couple of weeks, and we wanted to go through some of it with y'all, answer a few questions. Listen to some friends of the pod. Uh, so what do we have lined up today, Eric? Well, we got some uh, voicemails and we got an email. You want to start with an email? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's uh, let's do that. You want to read the email? Yeah. This one comes to us from The Tipsy Nerd. Uh, first of all, I, they have a comment. So, In the most recent episode, you covered The Blair Witch. It always seems like this movie gets credited for popularizing the found footage genre. I've always had a hard time giving The Blair Witch that much credit when I think it's paranormal activity that deserves the crown. What are your thoughts regarding The Blair Witch being given all of the credit? 
And then for context, the year after The Blair Witch, eight new found footage movies were made compared to the year after Paranormal Activity, where uh, there were nearly double uh, mm. the, the amount of found footage movies. So interesting. I, I, interesting point. Great point. Um, I think that the, the technology sort of dictated um, mm-hmm. why there was more movies made after Paranormal Activity than mm-hmm. The Blair Witch. Um, you know, you're, you're not wrong that, you know, it did, Paranormal Activity really did kick off this whole, mm-hmm. the, probably the current trend, the current yeah. crop of found footage movies. But in my mind, like the Paranormal Activity was sort of reminding the audience that the found footage movie is something that's viable. Yeah, I mean, I think that does make sense, you know, so just as soon as I heard this question, uh, I jumped over to just like a list of found footage films in chronological order. And the first thing I'll say is that uh, Tipsy Nerd makes a very persuasive point, I think, when you look at wide release found footage movies, like most of the movies that I think of as being following in the footsteps of Blair Witch Project actually do come out after Paranormal Activity because it's mm-hmm. only two, it's only 2007 that Paranormal Activity came out and obviously it was extremely popular we've talked about before it basically launched the success of Blumhouse Productions um, is it Blumhouse or Blumhouse? No, <laughs> here here's what I'll say I think that you could almost think of like Blair Witch Project is like the grandfather of this genre. Because I think you're right that the Blair Witch is almost ahead of its time in that there weren't a lot of people doing this with much success immediately afterwards because it was pretty hard to pull off with yeah. the technology available. And then, like as you pointed out, once we get to later in the 2000s, that's and and then paranormal activity comes out the availability of digital technology for people to shoot with is is so much greater and so we see so many more movies coming after that so i think what you could safely say is that paranormal activity could not exist would not exist i think without the success of the blair witch project however yeah i mean i think it it probably did as much as as much as blair witch uh have it have that impact in sort of kick-starting this as a as a really healthy genre yeah so. yeah definitely a great point uh and uh he brings up a couple more questions mm-hmm. gotta, that i think are ripe for the picking okay What's one horror franchise that had the steepest downward spiral as far as quality and story goes as they made more and more sequels? And um, his his suggestion is Wrong Turn, which I think I've only seen the first one. I don't know if I've ever seen any of the Wrong Turn sequels. Yeah, I am guilty of the same. I mean, I don't know how guilty I should feel for only having seen one Wrong Turn movie, but... yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is a great question. I, yeah. My only fear with this this uh, really just uh, sterling email from the Tipsy Nerd is is we're plowing through too many of the great questions that the existential mm-hmm. questions of the Killstreak podcast. But it, you know, some of these things will we can revisit later on right. as we see more movies because you're you absolutely know. right. Um, well, okay, so I was prepped for this one ahead of time. I took a little time to think about it. 
Uh, should I go first or you want to go first? What are you going to say? Um, you go first. Okay. So for me, uh, because I tend to belabor things like this because it's how my brain works, I thought about this for a while. Mm-hmm. And I really tried to kind of zero in on what kind of criteria I would use to judge the steepest downward spiral. And I think it's a little bit of a cop out to go with a movie, like a great movie that then spawns countless bad sequels, because I think that's kind of run of the mill. That's almost something that you find fairly frequently. Um, You have one great film to kick off a franchise and then none of the sequels ever really come close mm-hmm. right so and you know i think you could make an argument against that too but i mean for me that felt like kind of the easy way out so i was trying to think if i could come up with a series that had that started with at least two or more decent movies that then really fell off a cliff and and the one that i landed on um is hellraiser okay uh, i think that the first Hellraiser movie is a horror classic. I think it's great. Um, it's super dark, scary. It's sort of a sadomasochistic, psychosexual, gross body horror. It's got all these great things going for it. I think the acting is good. I think uh, it looks great. It scared the shit out of me when I was younger. And then you go to Hellbound, Hellraiser 2... And I think while it's not quite as high quality as the first one, um, it has a really interesting idea. It expands the universe of the first movie. It's sort of a natural escalation of the idea that if, like, okay, if you're dealing with these essentially, like, demons who came from hell, like, in a sequel, you follow them to hell. Uh, and, and, and this movie does that pretty well. And I think the second one still manages to be unique and interesting and scary. And it's got some great effects. And then Hellraiser three is just a hot piece of trash. Um, that, uh, is not the worst Hellraiser movie in this series, but I think like just this, the sheer decline in quality from two to three is really jarring. Um, and then I want to say there are seven or eight more. Um, and I'll be honest, I've only seen bits and pieces of a few of them. So I'm kind of judging more based on critical, uh, response than I am on, on anything that I've actually seen. But my understanding of the quality of the rest of the Hellraiser movies is that they are really profoundly bad and very poorly made. Um, so that's my nominee for this sort of inauspicious award. I'm going to go Hellraiser 1, 1 is great. Hellraiser 2 is pretty damn good. 3 is terrible. And then the rest are unforgivably bad. So I hear. So you uh, covered, you talked, you touched on something um, when you first were ramping up to your pick about great movie that spawned bad movies mm-hmm. you, you sort of disqualified it because my initial thought was Jaws sure you know first mm-hmm. movie is a classic yeah terrible sequels 
Um, I, but I it, would it, argue it, that the second one is a mediocre film as opposed to just like a straight up bad movie. Sure. But I, I don't think that's that's the answer I'm going to go with. I think I'm going to go with one that's a little more near and dear to my heart. Um, and that is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. The first movie is a masterpiece. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, second movie I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some stuff in there that I do like. I rewatched it pretty recently. It, it's an, more of an interesting movie than it is a good movie. Mm-hmm. The th- third movie, Leatherface, I kind of actually like more than part two. At least that's a, the way of my memory. Then after okay. that, the the fourth movie in the series is fu- is awful. And then the you know are we going to re- count reboots in this? I don't think so. I think for hmm. the purposes of this exercise, I think just like sequels, right? Okay. You know, then maybe I'm going to uh, stick with my guns with Jaws then originally. Because you're right. If, if I can't involve the sequels into the Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw Massacre franchise, then I think th- I kind of talked myself out of it as I was presenting it. Just remembering <laughs> it. Because uh, so, yeah, let me I'm going to go with Jaws because okay. that is a legitimate masterpiece followed by cash grabs that are not great. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'll say that with jaws too, I like that pick because it may not be the steepest ever, but it's not just like, it's not just immediate drop to the bottom and then it just stays there forever. It's like a very steep decline from movie to movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I also think it's a great pick because to me, at least the order of the films is directly uh, yes like it is it is also best to worst it's like each one is worse than the previous one right and jaws the revenge is so goddamn bad yes uh, <laughs> so those are that's my answer for now maybe that's something that'll change in the future mm-hmm. we can revisit this um the next question final question What's a horror franchise that you think just completely nailed it from start to finish? Sort of the inverse of the mm-hmm. previous question. Um, I think we, we didn't tell each other what our picks were, yeah. but I feel like we do have a high g- potential of seeing saying... Do you want to guess? I, I, I think you should guess what you think the one that we both probably landed on on our list was. Because I think, it to me, it's pretty yeah. clear, too. Evil Dead. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think that... Each one of those movies is great in a different way. And mm-hmm. one of the things I was thinking about, too, when, when I was trying to come up with answers for this, is it's just like sort of the handicap that you get you have the longer a series goes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because it just becomes that much harder to pull off keeping a five-movie franchise good or a seven-movie franchise, God forbid. It's just like, you know, very, very, very difficult to do. Yeah. Um, across any genre especially horror um yeah uh, so i agree i did have another pick too um, okay which is scream okay i think the scream movies other than three three mm-hmm. is the misstep out of the four and they're about to make five yeah um but i uh i think it's a really strong series that benefits from it being a postmodern kind of mm-hmm. meta movie. So it, it, it kind of found new ways to inject life into the series. Yeah. Um, but, you know, three is the one is, is the worst of the, of the 
four. Sure. I'm sure we're cover. We're gonna cover Scream. We're probably gonna yeah. cover all these movies if Eventually, this goes on yeah. long enough. Yeah. <laughs> if one of us doesn't die. <laughs> oh God. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think that's a good pick, and I think you know you gotta. I think you have to be flexible with where the bar is too, because you know, as we already know, and as people will, it will become clear. It's like a lot of the movies that we're gonna cover are not good, um, yes. bordering, and they running from not good to terrible. And so, if the worst movie is of the caliber of Scream Three, then I think you're doing pretty well. Yes, Um, yes. because that's not it's not an awful movie by any stretch. I think it just doesn't succeed the way that the other ones do. Um, My alternate pick for this, I think, you tell me if this is cheating because it borders on. I would say that you could probably make a more persuasive argument that this is a science fiction franchise and not a horror franchise, but I was going to go with the alien movies. Oh, wow. Interesting. I was just talking about alien three the other day. Yeah. Uh, I, what do you, I mean, so alien three is a movie that I think catches a lot of shit and I, one, don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. And two, I also think that it's like, on my sort of grading scale of films, it fails in ways that don't leave me with too bad of a taste in my mouth. You know, it's uh-huh. like a, it's an interesting, cool, visually striking failure. Um, and to be honest, I don't even consider it to be a failure. Failure. I think Alien Three is a missed opportunity. But uh, David Fincher is a director that I like a lot, um, and I think one of the things that's so cool about the Alien franchise. Um, assuming that we are not counting the Alien versus Predator movies, uh huh. Um, so if we're if we're just looking at the f- the original four films, and then I suppose you would add, then you have to get into a whole argument about whether or not Prometheus is technically an Alien movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if it is, that hurts my case. I think that Prometheus is not good. Um, uh, I kind of like Prometheus. I think it's dumb. I think the it's, it's so beautifully shot. Yeah, it is. That there, there's enough going on that I liked, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those like I can't I can't defend it for too long without being like, sure. yeah, you're right. You know, you're totally right. <laughs> it is dumb. I mean, I think you're you really you hit the nail on the head. That's what's wrong with the movie. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense, but it looks beautiful. And it has some big, interesting ideas, I think. Yes, exactly. Um, And I think that Alien Covenant is better, but not significantly better. Um, It's definitely more of an alien movie. Um, And I think it has the same problem. It has, like, a lot of characters doing really stupid shit um, just to, like, move the plot along. Yeah. Um, Which I think is something... Like that's Prometheus's greatest sin to me is just that is it's just absolutely it's just none of it makes any fucking sense if you think about like writing real characters. Um, but I think Fastbender is really good in Alien Covenant, um, and I think it's definitely interesting. Um, and the first two are masterpiece films uh, in my book, and then I think three is a cool, interesting fuck up, and I feel the same way about Alien Resurrection. Um, and one of the, I uh, got sidetracked talking about, uh, 
Prometheus and Alien Covenant, but one of the things that I really like so much about the first four movies is this kind of revolving door of directors, but it's like generally when a series has that, when it's like a different director every time, it's a sign of like a lot of trouble and you're usually dealing with a lot of journeyman directors and varying low quality and this is like it's fucking ridley scott james cameron david fincher and jean-pierre genet yeah it's like that is an insane like oh these are just four random dudes that are gonna each direct a movie in this series like that's a pretty cool assortment of directors in my book um yeah that's i think it's a good answer uh i'd have to i can't with any certainty talk about part three it's been mm-hmm. so long since i've seen it it's uh i feel like i say this a lot it's worth a rewatch on my yeah part. i think you should watch it yeah um okay let's get to some voicemails all right cool um i'll fire one up for us so our first voicemail here is from a listener mitchell uh who had this to say hey killstreak crew love your podcast uh, you ever thought about doing Frank Henlotter's uh, Basket Case Trilogy? That'd be pretty cool, unless you're too scared to. All right, Mitchell. Uh, well, I'm shaking in my boots. What about you, Eric? Yeah, I'm, t- I'm locking my doors currently. <laughs> um, thank you for the voicemail. Uh, thoughts on the Basket Case Trilogy, Eric? Yeah, I would love to cover it. Uh, I think we actually even talked about it on one of our recent episodes that that's one that we'd like to do. Yeah. Um, I forgot to bring this up when I was talking about, um, stuff that I've been watching on my own time, but actually another movie that I watched recently was Frank Henlotter's brain damage, which I had never seen before. Yeah. That movie's super cool. Yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and I will also say that I am a big fan of Basket Case, and I've never seen either of the sequels. I've never seen the sequels either. So yeah, that's definitely one that's ripe for the picking for us. Just a matter of uh, when we do it. Yeah, so how much is it worth to you, Mitchell? Let us know. (laughs) Um, And maybe we can get that on the docket uh, sooner, or maybe later. We'll see. Um, Cool. All right. Uh, You want to do another voicemail? Yeah. Hello, Killstreak. This is Mitch in Milwaukee calling in with a question. Are there any horror movies you wish had a franchise but never got a sequel or remake? I know the pickings are kind of slim since everything gets a sequel, but uh, hoping you can come up with something. Thanks, and keep on podcasting. This was something that was difficult to think of. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, because even the one... uh, I was going to say The Descent. Okay. And then I saw, I was like, I should check that. And there's a Descent too, so there is a sequel to it. <laughs> yeah, Mitch is right. There are, uh, and thank you, Mitch, for the uh, for the voicemail. I think we, you should narrate a horror film. You have a, a terrifying radio voice, but like in a good way. It's a compliment. Uh, I'm sorry. Mitch is a friend of mine. Don't be mad at me, Mitch. Um, something else uh, remind me after we finish discussing this Mitch reminded me of something else we were on the phone last week and I want to tell you I think you'll be very entertained okay um, but as far as Mitch's question I I looked around for a little bit and I was able to come up with an answer that I feel pretty good about okay um, which is 
something, a movie that I was thinking about uh, somewhat frequently as we were covering the Return of the Living Dead series. Um, something that I would have liked to see a sequel to uh, is Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. Oh, interesting. But done by Peter Jackson. Done, of course. Only, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, And it's one of those things where, um, you know, I always thought it was very interesting. And I imagine you must have felt the same way, because I know that you and I loved a lot of the same movies when we were younger. And so there was a point in time in the mid to late 90s when I would say that two of my absolute favorite directors in the whole world Peter Jackson and Sam Raimi. Yeah. Um, and at that point in time, these were two guys who more or less were known for making sort of splat sticky horror movies. Um, and if you flash forward 10 years, all of a sudden Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson are two of the highest grossing directors in all of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, riding off of the Spider-Man movies and Lord of the Rings, right? So things just drastically changed for those guys. And Sam Raimi, uh, to his credit, in my mind at least, after he finished the Spider-Man movies and did some more big Hollywood stuff of varied levels of success, did kind of go back to his old stomping grounds with Drag Me to Hell, um, which I don't think is quite as good as the Evil Dead movies, certainly, but it is, I think, an enjoyable horror movie. And more so, I just love that he made it after all of the big-time mainstream success that he had. Right. Um, and so my question to Peter Jackson is, hey, man, when are you going to go back to what made you famous? Yeah. Get rid of the hobbits. Leave yeah. the hobbits behind. Absolutely. Yeah. Put down the CGI. <laughs> Step away from the Weta Studios. And reboot Beautiful Creatures. Ooh, I would watch that. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> Beautiful Creatures now? I mean, I think, does one of do they just, neither one of them dies at the end, right? Uh, I them? don't remember. I think, I mean, I think one of them does die because I remember there's a scene where the, she coughs blood up onto a, a piece of paper. That's how you know. You're probably right. That sucks because I would love to see uh, Heavenly Creatures 2020 with Melanie Linsky and Kate Winslet. That oh, would be yeah. that'd be real cool. Um, uh, what, did you were you able to settle on something for this? Yeah, I was. Uh, it, it, the The Descent got me there because I thought mm-hmm. of the other Neil, Neil Marshall movie that I really like, Doomsday. Doomsday. Do you ever see Doomsday? <laughs> I I have seen Doomsday. I don't know that I would call it a horror movie. No, it's um, it's sort of a little bit cheating. It's a mm-hmm. mashup, post-apocalyptic, yeah, very violent, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of like Mad Max meets Escape from New York. Essentially, yeah. is exactly what it is. Yeah, not technically a horror movie, but I think like it's enough in the genre that like sure. or over enough overlap that it justified the answer. And I couldn't think of anything else. Uh, <laughs> it's a super duper fun movie. That was mm-hmm. just a complete failure. I think at the box office, but I had a blast watching it. I would love to see another, uh, actually in my research. Well, not when I just Googled to make sure there wasn't a doomsday too, I wasn't aware of it's, <laughs> there's a proposed sequel, but it's never going to be made. So unfortunately, we will not uh, see another Doomsday as far as uh, it stands now. 
Uh, yeah. Well, if I got away with Alien, you can certainly get away with Doomsday. And I do think that movie is great uh, and super underrated. I also uh, always stuck out for me. The, there's a scene that's set to Dog Eat Dog by Animant. Or uh-huh. Adam and the ants, which is always stuck in my head. I thought was very cool, and um, yeah, that's a great one. I think Neil Marshall in general is a guy who has done a, a couple movies like that that haven't really gotten their due. Yeah, um, what else? Uh, he did Dog Soldiers too, yeah. right? Dog Soldiers, which I guess did sort of like help launch his career, but like that's a movie that I think not a lot of people have seen. That I think is yeah is is really fun. Um. And uh, what else? Uh, Centurion, I never saw. I never saw either. And then I'm I'm avoiding the new Hellboy because I have heard pretty bad things about. Oh it. yeah, <laughs> but uh, but I still like Neil Marshall. Um, and he's also uh, I I weird like unexpectedly met him once, uh, and didn't know who he was for the first hour that we were talking mm-hmm. um it was actually at a bar with a bunch of people who were going to see john carpenter play oh no way yeah yeah and it was very cool we talked about horror movies for like an hour until my buddy who i mentioned earlier in the podcast don uh like basically elbowed me in the ribs and sent me a text message like you're talking to neil marshall I was like, like, oh, cool. And then immediately to him, I was like, he just told me you're Neil Marshall. And he was so pissed at me. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, you made me look like an idiot. And I was like, "Ah, I'm drunk. Leave me alone. Um, You saying that reminded me of of a run-in I had with a director. uh, And actually made me think that this could be an answer for this question, too. Mm -hmm. Although technically, it's part of a trilogy I don't know if I buy that. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. It's technically part of a trilogy with Hot Fuzz and the end of the world. What is it? The World's End? Yeah. At World's End. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It would be cool to see. And I know, I think they released like a COVID PSA as the characters from Shaun of the Dead. Mm -hmm. It would be a fun thing to check back in, like a fun world to check back into. I think so. Um. And briefly, my my uh, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright and Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I went to a screening of Shaun of the Dead after I had stayed up for twenty four hours on Adderall, <laughs> and got cool. then I got super drunk at a party. And uh, <laughs> side note, um, I was in the cab on the way back to my apartment, and I. <laughs> I passed gas so horribly that all of the cab, all of the cab uh, windows, the windows came down, down at once. <laughs> he didn't acknowledge it. He just turned them all down at once. You're going and to so, hell. And so I was trying to sleep and I couldn't. And then I was like, well, I'm going to go to this premiere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was in Boston. And uh, during the premiere, the projector broke. And we had to take a 15 minute intermission. Uh-huh. So I just, I just myself and a couple of friends of mine, I'm not I'm blanking who I want to say Jim Martin. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just standing in the hallway and I was wearing a cure sweatshirt. Okay. And Simon Pegg with Nick Frost and Edgar Wright was just like, Hey, I like your sweatshirt. Like, thanks man. And they just talked to me. Like the three uh-huh. of them just like talked uh-huh. to us and it was fucking great. Like, yeah. It was, I mean, it was before they were like super duper famous, but mm-hmm. like, they were couldn't have been nicer, um, and like approached me. It's always yeah. nice when a a celebrity 
instigates a conversation sure. with you, you know? Yeah. Um, I can, I can back up that at least Edgar Wright, that I think that's how he is. Um, he was a guy who, uh, I think a, more than once I saw he showed up at the rustic oh, sure, uh, yeah. in Los Angeles while I was there. And one time we were both smoking a cigarette outside and I just started chatting him up and he was like, couldn't have been, it was just like, it was like talking to anybody. There was no like, why are you talking to me? Like, oh, it's nice to meet a fan. It was like, we just had a fucking conversation for yeah. five minutes. You know, it was cool. And I know you've had this experience too, but John Hamm also. Super damn, <laughs> yeah. He, like he just, yeah. I, we've seen him out and about, and he, he introduced himself as like, "Hey, I'm John." Like, <laughs> it's like we know. I want to like, yeah, I know who the fuck you are. <laughs> yeah, um, I've met him enough times that he uh, generally remembers me, but the main reason why is because he's a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan, mm-hmm. and I am a, a huge Milwaukee Brewers fan in the same in the same conference uh the same like the nl central uh and so we i just always try to chat him up about baseball that's nice yeah nice guy yeah nice guys i like nice people absolutely all right Uh, we what you uh, i'd say let's get to our final voicemail we uh this is not a mini-sode this is a full-length episode (laughs) it's a special episode yeah yeah it's a good way to think of it um yeah so we've got one more voicemail uh, this one is from Josh, friend of the pod, Josh. Uh, hey, Killjoy and the Streak Man, uh, long time, first time Kill Streaker, Josh here with a question for you. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about um, paranormal experts in horror movies lately. Your demonologists, your psychologists, your um, Catholic priests, your ghost hunters, etc. Do you have a top five? Thanks. I'll take my answer off the air. All right. So which one of us do you think is Killjoy and which one is the streak man? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We should shout out to Josh, who, who called in also has a horror movie podcast called yep. Mummy and Daddy. Yeah, that he hosts with his wife, Carol. Yeah. Um, and everything that they cover touches on, they're all horror movies, but they also all touch on themes of parenthood and, and children and families. So it's a fun, sort of more specific uh, lane that they stay in. It's a great pod. I highly recommend it. Well, I'm glad that... Um, we re-listened to that because I missed one crucial piece of information that made my list a lot easier to me. Oh, tell me more. Uh, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Uh, so, yes, we have individually come up with our top five paranormal experts and investigators. Yeah. Also, so, also what? Demonologists? Demonologists. <laughs> psychologists. Yeah. Psychologists. Yeah, so I kept this kind of loose. Um, because I, um, I just tried to follow the spirit of Josh's question, um, Uh and not sort of force myself to adhere so super, super strictly to just the specific titles that he listed, but you know, the kind of, I think the thrust of what he was getting at. Sure. Um, and also before we start, I think that you are killjoy. Um, Hey. Hey. Well, I mean, you you know, you, you worry. You're a worrier. You worry about things. I do worry about things. Yeah. And you do often 
go streaking. Fucking A, bro. Um, okay. Uh, do you want me to start? Would you like to yeah, start? Yeah, let's kick it off. Are you okay. doing this in, in any order? Yes. Or just, uh, okay. I, I ranked mine. Um, yeah. So my number five pick for this, I'm going to go with, I wanted to kick it off with one of the oldest examples of this trope that I could think of. I think this is a guy that a lot of these folks owe a debt to. And that is uh, first appearance in a novel, but since this is a movie podcast, um, I'll throw it to uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the OG Van Helsing. Oh, um, interesting choice. Yeah, so I, I, my argument here is that it's like, this is the, like, I thought of this character as like, who do the folks go to that it's like, we need an expert. Yeah. To help us deal with this uh, threat, right? You know, wh- whoever your villain is, whether it's supernatural, whether it's a beast or uh, a serial killer, like who's the person that you go to to yeah. get to who's got the experience? Uh, and yeah, I think Van Helsing and the Vampire Hunter, uh, in the case of Bram Stoker's Dracula, as played by Anthony Hopkins, um, he, he's he's a classic. He's an all timer. Um, I would say my first, my number five is, uh, hold on, I just have to really, oh, is, excuse me, the, the, from the movie, Johnny Mnemonic, the Dolphin (laughs) Jones. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) There's a fucking dolphin in that movie? Yeah, there's a dolphin in a tank with like, it's like jacked in and it can communicate <laughs> uh, that's amazing i haven't seen johnny mnemonic since it came out so uh you just blew my mind <laughs> uh mine is my number five is max von sidow's character lancaster marin marin yeah, like, yeah father marin father marin from the exorcist okay. i'd say that that's like the character that immediately jumps to mind when this when this uh topic even came up sure um yeah absolutely and i think josh even kind of nodded to it in his voicemail i talked about priests and i think that father Marin is that iconic priest um in in films like this uh very cool okay um my number four uh, this one is sort of a little nod to the trope. I, I tried to, to cover a lot of bases here. I think this one's fun because it's a little tongue-in-cheek. Tongue uh, comes from the uh, 1985 movie Fright Night. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm going to go with uh, the horror host Peter Vincent, um, mm-hmm. played by Roddy McDowell, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think this is a great bit because so he's a guy who... Uh, portrays on television uh, this this uh, experienced vampire hunter, but obviously he's just an actor who doesn't know shit about vampires who gets drafted by a couple of high school kids yeah. to help them deal with an actual vampire. Um, super fun movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, and like, you know, it's funny, just kind of recapping this made me realize, you know, another great movie that I think uh, kind of takes a lot of inspiration maybe from this idea galaxy quest um mm-hmm. it's like if you're a fan of galaxy quest it's a very similar sort of idea that it's like well we're gonna get this guy who on tv seems to know uh what he's talking about uh so yeah i thought that was a fun a fun pick for number four 
Do you think uh, Night of the Creeps could be one that is worthy of a uh, sequel? I know it's not what you just said, but I, I just made me think of it. Yes. Yes, I do. I think Night of the Creeps is a great movie, uh, and I would love to see a sequel to that. I assume Tom Atkins is dead now. I think um, he is, yeah. Which is sad and makes me go, well, I don't know how much I want to see a Night of the Creeps sequel without Tom Atkins in it. Um, and right now, it looks like Tom Atkins is alive. Hey, we still got him. All right, let's get this fucker let's get this made. Movie going. <laughs> okay, is, it is twenty twenty. It is not a good time to be in your eighties. Uh, my number four is a recent one, and it's a movie that I actually really enjoy. Um, it's they're based on real people. Ed and Lorraine Warren from The Conjuring. I think The Conjuring is one of my favorite horror movies of the past. Whenever I don't know when it came out, two thousand seven or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's very scary. I I, I love I that movie. Definitely liked that one. And I know they're based on real people, and they're kind of a problematic couple of people because, you know, not to rain on anybody's parade, but they're most likely uh, scam artists. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, uh, I think they, um, in the Conjuring movies, especially one more than two, Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, like those characters. Don't have much more to say, but I like those characters. I'm a big Patrick Wilson fan. Yeah. And I like Vera Farmiga as well. Uh, And also, I've got good news for you, Eric. Like I said, it's 2020. Being a scam artist is no longer... Uh, you know, something that's yeah. going to keep you uh, keep that's you true. out of positions of great success and power. Um, so for me, my number three pick. Um, this one's again a little bit off the beaten path. I know you guys are shocked that I'm stretching the boundaries of the question, <laughs> but uh, I think this is fair. And uh, honestly, this guy would be ranked number one for me if I felt like it was a more on the nose answer to the question the only reason he's down at number three is because i know it's a bit of a stretch i'm gonna go with quint from jaws i thought about quint too uh but i stuck more to the rules sure sure well you know you're 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 the killjoy you're the killjoy (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i mean robert shaw amazing um like we said, Eric said earlier, Jaws is a masterpiece, and easily my favorite performance in that film is Robert Shaw's Quint. And uh, I think, in the spirit of the question Josh was asking, he's obviously not a demonologist or a paranormal uh, investigator, but he is. It's a movie about a killer shark, and he's the shark expert. He's the expert. I mean, so is Hooper, kind of technically, but Hooper's a little bitch boy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Quint's the man. Um, he's my guy. And again, like, he definitely feels, for me, this question is about, it's like, we've got to go get blank. And, like, who is the person that they go get to, like, take care of some gnarly shit? And that is Quint. Uh, my number three, I think, is one of the most has one of the most iconic voices in all of horror movies, uh, and I'm going with Zelda Rubenstein's character Tangina. Is that how yeah, you say it? Yeah, it's Tangina. Yeah. Tangina from Poltergeist. Um, it's the, I know she's not scary in that movie. Mm-hmm. She's not meant to be scary. For some reason, she scared the fuck out of me when I was like, like spooky. She's eerie. Yeah, yeah. she's uh, in. 
I love that movie. I just yeah. watched it pretty recently, and man, that movie's so good. I know it's probably directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> no, Poltergeist is great, uh, and I love Zelda Rubenstein in that. And I mean, I think that she's probably the most for for casual fans of the film. She might that she might be the sort of indelible character and image that you come back yeah. to. Um, I think that's a great answer. I would have put that on my list if I didn't suspect it was already on yours. Um, my number two, uh, this one perhaps unexpected, but they're near and dear to my heart. Uh, we've got a duo and that is uh shout out, uh, to a very fun, talented director that we just lost this week, Joel Schumacher, mm. um, and his horror classic 1987 lost boys, mm-hmm. the frog brothers, <laughs> played by by Corey Feldman and another guy that uh, is not Corey Haim. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Frog Brothers who uh, run a comic book shop, even though they're 12. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, so much fun bluster. Uh, these sort of self-proclaimed vampire hunters who have not hit puberty yet. Um they, they, it's just, I think they're super fun characters. Uh, and again, you know, you may notice a, a, a theme here. I kind of like examples of this trope that, that play off the trope itself. And I think kind yeah. of taking that Van Helsing character and, and making the, the traditional Van Helsing into a pair of prepubescent teens is, uh, is hilarious. And I love it. Well, man, I'm like, I've rewritten my second one. Oh yeah, because we're expanding the definition a little bit here. Sure. All right, so I'm going to give a three a three way tie. Oh my god. Okay. Hopefully this doesn't step on your toes at all. Um. I initially wrote a duo, uh-huh. and it was completely cheating. Okay. It's Mulder and Scully, <laughs> because they are in the X Files movies. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Also, they're uh, like the protagonists you know yeah but they are i, I mean i get right. i guess i interpreted josh's question a certain way who is the per the expert yeah and i mean i, I suppose i don't think you violated any rules no. i just i think I, I i conceived it in one way and and i think that yeah i you're well, okay the, in my book for the sake of this list um I'm not going to submit Mulder and Scully for number two. Okay. Okay. Um, I didn't hear the. I'm going to wait until you you do your number one, and maybe I'll I'll double back. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll tell say, you. I can just ahead. spoil it for you right now. My number one is one that you've already said. So. Okay. Great. Uh, yeah. So then, um, it's a tie between Randy from Sque- Scream, <laughs> who really clearly. <laughs> He's the movie expert. He's yeah. the one that everybody goes to, to. Yeah, the video store nerd. Yeah. And Dr. Loomis from Halloween. <laughs> sure. Dr. Loomis. <laughs> Dr. Loomis was on my list initially. Yeah. Uh, and then I took him off because he sucks at his job so much. <laughs> he is really bad at his job. He's not good. Uh, but I do love him. <laughs> yeah. Donald Pleasance is very fun. It's a great character. I'll also say that um, if I, I actually really like um, in uh, 
for, sorry, Rob Zombie's Halloween movies are much maligned, and I think they deserve certainly a good deal of that criticism. Mm-hmm. But I do like Malcolm McDowell a lot uh, as Doctor Loomis in those remakes. In- yeah, I mean he's he's a great actor who's usually in bad movies. It's an interest. He's an interesting case. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I I never really thought about that, but um, but yeah, I think that's true. I think he's he's a very talented guy, but he just is not particularly discriminating about he's about no. uh, collecting a paycheck. Um, and you know what? Good for him. Guy's got to uh, get paid. So my number one has to be my favorite paranormal investigator of all time, Doctor Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Again, now you've brought up, oh, he's the protagonist, uh-huh. he's a protagonist, sure. the Ghostbusters are the protagonist. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the question was, what's our favorite paranormal sure. expert? I got to go with the Vankman. That's totally fair. I mean, again, if we're using competency as a metric, I think um, it's this is a real slap in the face to Egon Spangler. Um <laughs> Or even a race dance. No, he is... Or frankly, a Winston Zedmore for that. No, he is the least qualified... uh, Not qualified, the least capable of the Ghostbusters. But he's my favorite Ghostbuster. I mean, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, that's totally fair. And my number one... His breach in in ethics for sleeping (laughs) with Sigourney Weaver is uh, damnable. Damnable. He doesn't sleep with her until the second, until the interim between Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, you're right. He attempts to, but at least he he does, uh, he resists the pull of the Um, 80s comedy and does not sleep with with Sigourney Weaver when she's under the influence of a, 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 what, a dog? A A demon demon, dog floating above her bed. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> rotating. She sleeps above her covers, six <laughs> feet above her covers. Um, great, All great. Right, let's movie. take this puppy home. Okay, uh, my number one is uh, I, we, I won't spend much time on it because we already talked about him. I think that the the iconic, the greatest example of this is Max von Sydow's Father Marin in The Exorcist. I think that is still to this day one of the scariest horror movies I've ever seen. Yeah, and his character is uh, fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, he's an amazing actor, and that guy shows up, and you actually you believe that if anyone can defeat a, a devil uh, inhabiting uh, this this little girl, then it's it's this guy. And uh, yeah, so uh, he's he's super cool. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for that question, Josh. That was a, a very fun exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, um, that about does it for us this week, right? Thanks again, guys, for writing in and leaving us voicemails. Please leave us more because we really like, we would like to do more of these kinds of episodes. Yeah. Uh, they're very fun for us. I don't have to watch a movie and take notes the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mr. Killjoy over there. Mr. Um, Killjoy. <laughs> Killjoy but, and the Streak Man. But yeah, um, absolutely. And hopefully this episode gives you guys an idea of, uh, you know, uh, maybe gets your brain thinking about some questions you might have. And mm-hmm. 
Uh, also, I I want to invite more people to um, you know call us out, challenge us to street fights, um, <laughs> tell us <laughs> tell us why we suck. No, I'm just but you know on it like uh, share your opinions. I want to hear what y'all are thinking about the movies that we're watching, and yeah. um, I hope you're continuing to enjoy the podcast. And yeah, also some recommendations too. I'm always up mm-hmm. to to watch movies. Uh, Often on Friday, I'm like, what the fuck should I watch? Yeah. So yeah, send me some recs. Totally. So uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we've said it before. I'll say it one more time. Uh, email killstreakpod at gmail.com. Uh, website anchor.fm slash killstreakpod. Uh, and leave us a voicemail or send us an e- email and let us know. Um, and until then, we will be back on Monday wrapping up the Blair Witch franchise. And then uh, a week from today you'll catch uh, our episode of doing the full Blair Witch franchise rankings. Yeah. Yeah. And our next episode is cursed. That's right. Uh, Yeah. A a lot of issues recording that one. We did. Uh, But, you know, uh, I think the end result would probably, you know, greater than the sum of its broken parts. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so it's a pleasure uh, to be going on this journey with you, Eric, and with all of you listeners at home. Uh, And I bet you don't have a line queued up for until next time, or as always, because we didn't watch a movie this week. We didn't watch a movie. And as always, back off, man. I'm a scientist.